So today, in this class, what we're going to focus on is we're going to address a love for God's Word, um, instead of having an apathy for God's Word. What we're not going to address is all the different ways you can have a Bible studying plan, all the different ways you can memorize Scripture and test each other on it, and so on and so forth. Um, if, there's good books on Amazon. There's a lot of relevant uh, study guides that are topical or, or looking at the Bible in a, in a certain way, whether it's chronological, to get you energized and motivated to reading the Bible. But that's not exactly what this class is going to be about. We're going to focus on having a love for God's Word and a love for what He has to say to us. That's going to be the focus today. So the reason I'm here, I don't have a Bible degree, but the reason I'm here is because my mom made a deal with God. And here's a little bit about that story. Um, I'm a twin. I was born in a naval hospital. But it wasn't without complications. In fact, my, my mom had to be flown in a helicopter emergency to Bethesda Naval Hospital where my brother and I were to be delivered. I was going to die. They didn't want to name me. And so... Um, while she, we were in the incubators and life support, she was in her hospital room, apart from my dad, because uh, he was traveling because she had to be flown uh, so quickly. And she pulled open the drawer and looked inside, and guess what she found? It was a Bible. Made a deal with God. Here I am. <laughs> there you go. Now this is a story all about how Jesus Christ turned my life upside down. <laughs> Guys, and I'm I'm here. I think simply to to be evidence of that, that God can use anyone. Uh, I think if if one that's that's close enough to to know me and, and look at look at my life, um, seeing seeing that that's evidence. I'm a young guy, I just turned 23 years old, um, and outside the context of a God who uses um, messy, broken people for His glory, me having something to say or being Involved in a campus ministry or being a campus minister doesn't make much sense outside of that context. And if God can use us, he can use you. That's right. <laughs> so uh, do you have your Bibles with you? Let's see them. He's got the Bibles. I'm uh, seeing lots of Bibles. There we go. You know, they say that you get bonus points if you bring your Bible. Right. I mean, it helps you get into heaven faster. Yeah, <laughs> I, I heard have that. You heard that? Well, actually, but it wasn't it wasn't in this word, and so important that we derive opinions about God and eternal life and the things that truly matter from God's word. All right, so if we're going to look at biblical literacy and we're going to look at a love for God's word, we're going to have to be able to put it on the table. Honestly speaking, we're going to have to be able to look at it maybe with fresh eyes. Maybe you haven't done that in a while. Maybe you've got some preconceived notions about what this is, but we're going to have to be honest. That's, that's the first, type, first step. We're going to have to put it on the table and just look and see what it says. I mean, after all, is it possible to be wrong about what God's Word is telling you or your interpretation of it? Or maybe you hear something and you don't react exactly the way that it was suggesting that you react. It's, is it possible to be wrong? Well, regardless of how we react, God is trying to say something to us. That's right. 
He is deeply trying to say something to us if we will listen to what he has to say. So what is this? What is this Bible that I'm holding up in my hand? I mean, just what, what, what is it? Yes, it's a collection of books and letters and things written and they were canonized. But at the heart of it, it's God's breath. It literally is from God, not from man. And that's, that's critical to understanding any level of literacy of what the Bible and what God is trying to say to us. And so how does it work? How does this Bible work? Sure, you open it, you read it. I mean, is it something that where God picks up his Bible up in heaven and starts writing stuff down or punches in, almost like a cell phone, he just starts dialing your number, I'm going to dial Brent. And then he holds it up to his ear, and then you pick it up on the other end. Hello? Hello? Yeah. I mean, does it, does it work like that? Um, I see many of you have a copy of your Bible. I mean, if you leave this in your, your dorm room or your, your apartment, um, and then you go out for the evening with friends, maybe go out to, to a party or something like that, does God, uh, does he stay in the room where you left the Bible? Does he stay enclosed in the borders of these two bookends <laughs> and the material inside? Or maybe, we, maybe you, you're the kind of person that says, I'm a really good reader. I've read this cover to cover. And in doing so, when you're done at the last page, do you put it in the mail and ship it back to the book club and then God sends you another one? A totally different word? I mean, this, 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 I'm, this is ridiculous, right? Um, let's, let's look at this. He, he's trying to say something and it is divine. Um, and oftentimes it's, it's not... It's, it's a perception that needs to change. And maybe the best way for that to happen in our lives is not to ask what this is as a tool, but to ask who it is and who it's about. And then let, and then let the Bible do the talking. So we, we need to focus on the who. That's right. And we're going to allow Scripture to, to answer for this. I'll be reading out of John chapter 1 if you would like to follow along. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness, the darkness has not overcome it. There is a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through Him all might believe. He Himself was not the light, He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace and place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself 
who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Thanks for listening to that. Guys, can you believe it? This who is Jesus. And this this Bible, this who, it's God Almighty. I mean, if we're dealing with perception here, let's let's talk about God and his son. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. Absolutely. We, we have been given an absolute gift. A precious gift in God's very very words, the words of eternal life. Scripture teaches that angels longed to look into these things. That the prophets that God used for the the culmination, the the compiling of of these these words, the, the people that He spoke through, they longed to see these things come come to be. They longed to see the fruition of it, and we we have seen the fruition of it, and we have a gift in God's God's breath. And make no mistake, there is no confusion about what this Bible is about. It is about the coming of Christ. It is about mm-hmm. salvation. And uh, there's just no confusion about It's about God and His Son. Um, and the reason we have it, this is the most important thing. If you don't get anything else out of this class today, and I see you, some of you guys kind of look around over there, <laughs> this this is God's love letter to us. And who doesn't like love letters, right? I mean, you open <laughs> them. You, right. you tear them open. You read them word by word, right? I like so, love letters. So what's your excuse for not reading it? Hmm. Everybody's got them. We, we hear them all, all the time. I, I have excuses. Um, I, they all boil down, honestly to this and, and it's, it's an arrogance that I don't give credence to with my lips but it's I, I don't really need this I don't really need God's word his guidance his direction in my life today because maybe I have it so figured out because right they slapped the title on me you're, you're a campus minister now so I don't need God's direction in my life I don't I don't need the encouragement that comes from being in his words so what is it for you what, what are the excuses well, uh, I I think I might have heard some at some point, but here's some that I that I've heard. Well, I'm just not a good a good reader. I mean, there's a lot of big words in there, and you know, it was written a long time ago. Uh, I like to to listen to stuff. I'm an audio audio learner instead. Even that doesn't fly. The Bible has like get the Bible app. It's free. You you press the play button. There's an audible thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe there's some other reasons why. But um, have you ever heard anybody any other ways? Yeah, I, I mean the the biggest one being I, I'm not a reader, guys. This is ridiculous. Like I've always told Clint, and you've probably heard him say it a time or two. Nobody goes up to a stop sign and says, "Nope, not gonna read you," and keeps going. You read it and you stop. We can read. We are readers. Yeah, I mean. And, and what happens to those who don't read the stop sign? I, I think we all know. Uh, it, it could end in, well, 
harm. <laughs> Ticket, Absolutely. T-bone at an intersection or eventually death. So, hmm. So stop signs can be pretty serious and we pay attention to them. That's right. So, so we, is, we this read a, them. <laughs> is this God's word, the Bible, is, is it a stop sign, Josh? I think a better phrasing than this would be to instead say it is a go sign. Come on now. That's right. Go. Jesus said in John 15, you must remain in me and my words in you. Or you just won't be productive. That's right. And things that aren't productive get cut off. But it's a go sign because, I mean, if we were to be honest, all of us want to be productive with our lives. And when we have these excuses like, I don't like to read or I don't read or it's just not for me. It was written so long ago. Um, God has given us so much. I mean, we need to have an attitude that says, okay, this is given by God. It's a love letter from God. And we need to be grateful for it. We need to yearn for it. We need to, in the same way we do the things that we need for just daily life. Absolutely. One one hindrance or sentiment towards God's word uh, that that the world has is is what is... Uh, the relevancy in question, the relevancy of the Bible, you know, it was written so long ago. Uh, how, how does it apply now? And I think a lot of that often unspoken creeps into um, the church's mindset about, about the scriptures. Um, that, that we, we think what, what we're dealing with or what we're going through, the Bible doesn't address it. Um, but the truth is that there's nothing that we experience or go through that the Bible doesn't directly deal with or indirectly deal hmm. with and speak well, to. Well, and you you out there sitting out there, listen to this dialogue. Maybe you've heard this play out. Brett and I are going to do a little back and forth. And just think about if you've ever heard this before or experienced it. But Brett, you, you just don't know what I'm going through. I mean, how can you say and tell me what to do with your Bible what, how I should live and what I should do and what is relevant to me. I mean, I've got my life and you've got yours. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's not about my opinion versus, versus your opinion. What, what I am pointing to and, and what you would profit from is to see what God has to say about life, what the Creator has to say about life and, and how it can work out best for us, uh, the created beings. In this this universe that he has made. Yeah, but who gives you the right to tell me how to live my life? This is my life, Brent. I mean, seriously. I mean, you're just different than me. You you take your Bible and you do what you want to do. Well, I can't force anything upon you, but I love you enough to to let you know that that God loves you. Uh, he sent a son for you, and he desires good things for your life if you would. Simply listen and respond to what he has to say. Well, at the bare minimum, I appreciate your passion, and uh, I'll I'll still listen to you know hanging out, or I'll look to hanging out with you at the bare, even though I disagreed with you at the time. Cool. So maybe some of you have, have experienced that in, way, in one level or another. Um, the idea that God may be trying to say something, or say something through us, or to us in a loving way, and we just don't want to hear it. We think we've got a better idea. But the truth is, the relevancy of God's Word plays a huge role in the way we interact with each other and its relevancy. Um, Many of you in this room 
uh, wouldn't know the person sitting next to you had it not been for what is written in this book. That's right. You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't have been brought into community without the Word of God. It, it allows us to help each other. It instructs us to bear each other's burdens and, yeah. and to use uh, those relationships that, that are generated from, from following God and listening to His Word to God's, to, to God's mission and message for the world. Um, Jesus said, you know, we unite under it, it's our foundation. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I mean, what a wonderful message that is. We have what the world is in desperate need of. We have the truth, and it's in God's love letter to us. What are you going to do with it? <laughs> I mean, that's the real question. I mean, and maybe, maybe that's just the very thing that you have to ask yourself sometimes. What am I doing with God's Word? It's vitally important in our approach to God's Word that we have an attitude of humility, a recognition of the gap and the difference between the Creator, Almighty God, the Eternal One who spoke the universe into existence, the one that the angels can't even look upon but cover themselves up with wings, screaming out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and is and is to come. The whole earth is filled with His glory. And us, mere created beings, who are dependent upon him to take this next breath. It is vitally important that we understand that, that difference and have an attitude of humility in light of that fact. So a quick, James, quick review before you go into that. Yeah. So you're getting a picture about what this class is not <laughs> and, and what it is, and also just perceptions that are out there. And then is it relevant to our lives? And now we're moving into, for those of you who need little points, we're moving into humility. <laughs> yeah, we're in the uh, humility section of our, of our class now. Uh, and so I'm going to point to James chapter 1, verse 21 here. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So when we look at this passage and reflect on it, it gives light to the to the problem. I mean, how can you accept something from God if you aren't humble? <laughs> it's indicating that the word is like something like a little plant comes into your life. That's right. And you in order to accept it and allow it to, for it to grow, you have you have to humbly accept it. And oftentimes that's the issue. It's not God's word. It's not what He's already told us. It's it's us. It's the soil. We're just right. not, we're just not humble. God has never been the one who is the problem. He never will be. I mean, He's the one that said, "Let there be light," and there was. Do you do you agree with this statement? Can He speak healing into your life? And to those around you. I mean, do you really believe that with the way you're living? He's never the problem. It's whether we're humble enough to accept his words.
So you might say, well, I'm, I think I'm pretty humble and I'm pretty, I mean, sometimes I have a pretty, a heart that's pretty contrite. I mean, isn't, that's what you're telling me. That's all I need. It, in light of, of the uh, contrite heart, um, humility, a, a humble and contrite heart before God, I'm going to share a passage. This comes in Isaiah 66. This is going to be verses 1 and 2. And this changed my perception of God's word and, and truthfully my perception of, of God, how, how grand, how, how great he is and how fearsome he is and what my response to him now should be and to his word should be, uh, and what my response will be, and all our responses will be. The I day totally forgot you had veils... that passage, to be honest. Let's shift <laughs> back good, over John. there and let's take a look the at that. The day the veils rip back. This is going to be the response we, we all have is, is fear. Um, so we're wise to do, to do that now. I'm going to share a passage, Isaiah 66, verse 1 and 2. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. We've established that scripture in the Bible is God's word. If we want his favor upon us, we ought to have a holy fear and trembling before God's word, or or else when we come to that intersection, when we are confronted with something in the scripture that we don't like, when we're offended, we're going to make the the assertion, the assumption that, that we are right and we know better than the eternal mm-hmm. God. And some of the reason it's so difficult when we start reading the Bible and, and chewing on it is our hearts, for one, for two, the humbleness that, that comes along with uh, accepting what the Word is telling us. But for three, we need a spiritual mind and a spiritual um, perspective on this in order to be able to even understand it. Right. Uh, there are people that hear the Word, but they don't hear it. The Word is spoken, and it doesn't do anything for them. It doesn't change their life. They don't react to it because there is the Spirit of God in his words, and the spirit that acts on us and in us that opens our mind and allows us to understand things of God, things that are heavenly and not earthly. So part of the, hum- we just talked about the humbleness and the humility, but we also have to be humble enough to understand that God is the one that's going to help us do this. Mm-hmm. We have to rely on him for understanding. I mean, he provides for other needs. The air that we breathe, why not re- rely on him for the understanding that comes in his scripture? And think about it. If we look in scriptures and we look at the way the Israelites were, God gave manna to the Israelites after they have been led out of Egypt. Uh, did he give it to them all at once for them to collect? No. He told them to go daily and collect for what they needed that day. So in the same way, is not God going to provide for you on a regular basis? And you are under the provision that he is providing. You may say, well, I want to read a bunch and go fast. And you may be like, no, you need to listen to this and for today. And then tomorrow you need to come back and you need to listen to this. <laughs> so, I mean, the Israelites are a good, um, just a good example for uh, dependency on God's word and, in, and how stubborn we can be too. Um, 
And there's a warning for those who, who, that I talked about earlier who hear the word of God but don't do the will of the Father. Let's turn over to Matthew uh, 7.21 and let this be a warning. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many would say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Wow. So there's a warning to us as Christians or having the label or owning a Bible, embossing our name on it, you know, and, and saying, you know, um, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these great things? And then coming to the conclusion that somehow we're an evildoer because we didn't listen and we didn't do the, the will of the Father. Um, so, I mean, there, you know, it's like check yourself before you wreck yourself. I mean, maybe you've heard that before. <laughs> so um, there's definitely a humility uh, in that and also a warning. Absolutely. We, we get a warning from Jesus' brother, James, back to chapter 1 here about the, the person who, who hear, he gives us some imagery, what it's like for us to hear God's word but not to uh, respond in obedience. Verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Who here wants to be blessed in what they do? (laughs) I mean... Hashtag blessed. That's a little bit of a rhetorical question. Um, I mean, does this word work on you like it works on me, like it works on your family, and like it works on everybody? I mean, does it? Um, Let's look at a scripture regarding that. Let's shift over to Matthew 7, 24 through 27. You guys ready? Let's see him turn in. Okay. All right, let's go. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. When the rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine does not put them into practice. It's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So, the Word can be our foundation. It's the thing we you should even begin to build your life on. So it go. And constantly be de- building on it every day. <coughs> and God's Word is validating that and He's sending this message to us and saying, look guys, do you want to be blessed? Do you want to have a strong foundation when the storms come in your life? And it's going to work on you. It's going to work on you like it works on me. It works 100% of the time. However, there may be times when it's more convenient or more effective. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one time that, that it comes into my mind is when, um, when the 9-11 tragedy had happened. It seemed like the world had stopped. And, you know, many of you are... I'm looking out. Some of you are younger, 
Uh, it may not be as familiar, but and then some of you were there when it happened. I mean, take yourself back to what was going on. Um, it was a devastating time. People were, were dying. It was an act of terrorism. But on the other side of it, you started to see this statistical increase in people going back to church or seeking God in that time of that horrible time that was going on and affecting everyone. So, I mean, thinking about that, you know, what changed? <laughs> you know, it was really just the circumstance of life. God had not changed. That's right. But all of a sudden, you know, bad things were coming in and there was a, a desire for some, some hope and reprieve and people turned to God. So there's going to be times in your own life, as you look at it, when you're more responsive to God's word and not. It's just, it's just the way it is. But it's going to work in your life 100% of the time. That's right. The problem is not with the Word. Do you remember where you were? Try to think back. Remember where you were at when God's Word came into your life. I can remember where I was at. Uh, it was during a stint in which I was bariatric, uh, put into a, forcibly put into a psychiatric ward for 12 days. Rightfully so, yet yet in that time, um, because of drug use uh, and erratic behavior that, that followed, I had burnt bridges with my friends and my family. Um, I was was homeless, didn't know what, what I was going to come out to, um, didn't know what my next move was, um, and, and in there, alone, isolated, I had access to a Bible. Now, I'd grown up in the in the church, and I was familiar um, with a lot of these passages. But they, I was much uh, more open to God's word and what what God had in store. And I mean, that's perfect. Thanks for sharing. That's a perfect way to to just help understand and debunk the idea that somehow you got to be perfect before the word can enter your life. Mm. You know, or you compare yourself to the to, to someone else. I mean, this is a relationship between you and God. And God loves you, and He wants what's best for you. He wants you to build a, li- uh, a life that's purposeful and on a foundation. And it's not always going to be a rosy, comfortable situation. I mean, we have the scripture in Job, we, uh, looking at his life. And I know many of you are familiar with that, so I'm just going to paraphrase it real quick. But he lost everything. He was in such a position where he was sitting in ashes, scraping himself with sores on the bottom of his foot, top of his head, with everyone that he knows and loves dead around him. And then those that are left around him are no help at all, including his wife. Um, And he is left asking himself, you know, it would have been better to have never been born. But deep into all that, He's frustrated, and he says, you know what, I have a right. I have a right to ask God why all these things are happening to me and why things are so terrible. If I could just meet with him and convene in court with him, surely he would listen to me. And he understood that God was in control to an extent. But boy, did he want to give God a piece of his mind. And let's see what God responded in that. Job 38, 
1 through 3, he got his meeting with God. The Lord spoke to Job out of a storm. He said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. The Lord said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. Then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, I, but I will say no more. <clears throat> what, is, what is the point of us reading this passage? And what is God trying to say through this? He's in control. It may not be convenient when you encounter him or his plans. <laughs> he loves you. And there's a purpose that's greater than you can understand. And when you realize it, you might be more in a position to say, you know what, instead of saying, ah, this Bible's too hard, I'm not really interested, it makes me have to do difficult things or change my life, or it's too hard to read, or whatever, instead it may be one of those things that says, I'm going to glorify, God is saying, I'm going to glorify myself through you so that many people will be loved. And you need to think about that as you get prepared and as you let his word soak through you. It's his words and his mission. Just like we have Job's life now as an example to look back on and learn from. Absolutely. Something that the the Bible enables us to do is to live a life of purpose. I love seeing... Wes asked the question during his keynote, who in here wants to live a life of purpose and see 500, 600, however many are in there, hands shoot up, every one of them raised. Well, God's word teaches that you were made for him and by him you were made for a purpose. The good news is that God does have a purpose for everyone in this room, for everyone who, who hears this, for, for everyone he's, he's made. The question is, Will we commit to him and will we allow him to equip us to that end? I'm going to read a passage that comes in 2 Timothy verses three, chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We're going to watch a video now, so sit back. Soak it in for a second. And let's look at being equipped and how and having the right attitude. So just listen. I'm gonna bring an illustration that this is like the first illustration I did. It was twenty. West is Francis's BFF, by the way. To explain it. Um I actually didn't use a rope back then. I used a remember a, remember computer paper when uh, it was all stuck together? And it had the holes on the side that you had to peel off. Remember that? I remember getting a, a roll. And some of you guys have no idea what I'm talking about, which is crazy to me. But because uh, that was the best, you know. And um, and it never worked right because they're rolling things. But uh, but I, I had I remember being a youth pastor and I put uh, that computer paper all the way around the room. And uh, but I'm gonna use a rope now because I can't find that computer paper. Um, imagine this rope. Okay, pretend this rope just goes on forever, okay? 
Just imagination. Pretend it goes around the world a few times. It doesn't. It ends at the rock. But uh, let's just imagine this thing goes on forever. Now imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. You see this red part? This would represent your time on Earth. You've got a few short years here on Earth, and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. This is, this is your existence. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about. You're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. And you're consumed with that. And you're thinking, oh man, am I going to get to travel? Am I going to eat well? Am I going to do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me about this? What about this? What about, what about all this stuff? It's, just, it's crazy to me because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. And, and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can... <laughs> Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. See, I'm going to forget about all the stuff I could enjoy. And I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God. Because when I face him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth. And it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this. And then comes eternity. And I'm not going to be fooled. I'm not going to spend my life down here. See, people look at some of my decisions and go, oh, you're so stupid because that's going to really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid because it's going to affect all of this. Man, I, I, I'm serious. I, I look. I look at the way people live and I go, wow, that is so crazy. You are so crazy. You're going you're gonna to do that right now. Just enjoy right now. Not even knowing if you have tomorrow and you think that's smart and that I'm dumb, it doesn't make any sense. Paul goes, I'm not going to look around at all this stuff. And it's tempting. It's tempting to all of us. That's what I'm saying down here. It's crazy because everyone lives that way. Everyone lives for the red part. No one's thinking about the millions of years afterwards. It's, it's, it's this crazy deception that we can't get out of our minds. And Paul goes, I'm not doing that. Because I keep my eyes on that. I keep my eyes on that finish line. And I'm going to forget what's behind me. I'm not looking around. I'm just going to, I'm straining. Because I'm straining forward. I'm like stretching forward for that mark. I'm going to pass this thing. I'm going to live this out. And I'm going to face him. I'm going to come before the judges. And he's going to hand me that trophy. He goes, I'm going to get it. And I haven't gotten there yet. He goes, but I, you better believe I'm using every muscle, exerting every bit about me. Because I'm going to pass that line well. Guys, let's let's not waste this precious gift of a life that God has given. God's word teaches that life's simply a vapor and a mist, and it's over that quick. I love this quote. Uh, Lynn shares it all the time. In fact, there's a picture of it in his in his office. It says, "One short life to soon be passed." Only what's done for Christ will last. 
So if we truly want to live a life of significance, a life of value, then we need God and his words. We need to follow after Christ and what he teaches. And actually put it into practice. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to look at, I want us to look at an example of someone walking in a purpose created by God. Um, I love this passage. This is Esther chapter 4. I love this because it so accurately uh, conveys, communicates the truth that God doesn't need us. He loves us and he desires to use us. And that's great news. But he doesn't need us. I'm in Esther 4 verse 12. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, her uncle, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Now as I look around at this room, we don't have anyone to my knowledge that's in the position Esther is in as a, as a queen and in, in a royal position. But God's word does teach that he appoints the times and places. He's appointing times and places and puts you in, in specific moments with another individual so that something eternal and significant can happen, so that you can lead that individual to a everlasting relationship with Christ Jesus. I mean, you guys came to this class for a reason. And I know that for each one of you, that reason may be different. But at the end of the day, God is calling you because he wants to use you for his purpose. You can walk out of this class and not get a thing out of it and not listen and not apply God's word to your life. That's a choice you have available to you. But you must know that he loves you and he wants to use you. And you have a choice to make. We just looked at an example of Esther and the choice she had to make. Now we're going to look at Josiah. Just real quickly. Josiah was a young... He became king at a very, very young age. And um, it wasn't until the 18th year of his reign, when he was about 26 years old, which is about the age of some of you. Maybe some of you are a little younger. Some of you might be a little older. Um, He was well into his reign as a king. And... One, one of the people under him, Shaphan, the secretary, he found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. Um, and Shaphan, went, the secretary, went to the king and reported, your officials have paid out money that was in the temple of the Lord and entrusted it to the workers and the supervisors of the temple. And he then went and informed the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. And this is what happened. And this is, this is in 2 Kings 22, by the way. Sorry, I didn't uh, include that right up front. And I know some of you are familiar with this story. But when the king, Josiah, heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. He gave orders to Hilkiah the priest. And several other people 
Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. There is a lot written in this book concerning you. (laughs) And here is yet another example of Josiah and Esther making a choice. God doesn't need them. He wants to use them, and he will, if they're willing to change and willing to have a heart that understands how much he cares for us. Now, Josiah (laughs) tore his clothes (laughs) when he heard the words of God. We're not going to ask you to do that. Lynn, put your shirt back on. But we are going to ask you to be responsive to God's word. And not just in one way or one method, but in every way that you possibly can and with the right heart. Understanding that he loves you and he's trying to give you a purpose and a perception of who he is. Speaking of clothes, in closing, (laughs) this was never a class about literacy. Getting on the ball with your Bible reading. What we need is a change of heart. And when we follow God and we allow Him to do that in us, we will go from this apathy towards God's Word to a love for it and a desire for it. And not just for, for our own selves and our own benefits, but for others around us. It's really that simple. It's always been about God, not about you and me and us. He loves us. So what are you going to do with what he's already given you? What are you going to do with it? Let's come together in his spirit and ask him to help us change. Almighty God, thank you, thank you, thank you that you so love us, that you sent your son for us. Uh, we were your enemies. We were in rebellion against you, and you sent your son to rescue and save us. Um, you've given us hope and healing and a life of purpose. Uh, Lord, I lift up everybody at this year's family vacation, and, and I pray right now that, that you would give us a new desire, um, a new passion for you and your word. Lord, uh, give us a hunger to be to walk in the purposes that you, you have for us. I pray that next year at this, at this retreat, because we we have have gone out and, and we've been invigorated by you and, and and we're we're people that are on this mission that is yours, Lord. That there are a whole lot of other people here that are getting to experience the purpose and the hope that you have for for us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this retreat. Thank you for your son. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.